On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, think you know tea? Well, then you haven't tried Tiesta tea. Tiesta tea is my favorite tea. Whether hot or cold, you're going to find a flavor profile that fits your needs. Tiesta tea is on a mission to create loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients. Tiesta tea segments their teas down to five functional categories based on each tea's natural health benefits. This way, you can choose your tea based on what you need it to do for you. Then pick a flavor profile that fits your taste. Whether hot or cold, this gives you a natural way to energize, slenderize, boost antioxidants, boost immunity, and relax. Get 15% off your next online order with the code JBTV15. That's JBTV15 for 15% off your next online order. Once you go loose, you never go bagged. Tiesta Tea, a bold tea for a bold you. Hi, I'm Jerry Bryant, inviting you to join me this week for a very special podcast. I'm talking with the CEO of Pantheon Podcasts, the one and only Chris Swain. This is Christian Swain, the CEO of Pantheon Podcasts and the host of Rock and Roll Archaeology, the cornerstone of our Pantheon Podcast Network. We have 90 plus shows, all music related, and we're moving into television. How are you, Jerry Bryant? Awesome. That's that. good. That's good. I like the little Pantheon logo there behind you. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. That is great. That is great. So this TV thing, it's uh, that's a whole brand new thing for us. We, um, you know, we kind of always knew that we would get there. Um, we just didn't prepare for it. <laughs> when, it <laughs> when it was like, hey, okay, TV's here. We got to get our people to understand, hey, look, you know, you can videotape all of this stuff and then and then make it happen. So, And as to video, you know, uh, it's a whole new world for all of us. And with Zoom, it sort of opened it up for everybody. I got to say, you know, your podcast is uh, is awesome, you know, and it's so scripted and so well written. And uh, oh, I don't know, you know, that's the kind of video podcast that would be all like uh, video B-roll over it, you know. So, yeah, tell well, us about uh, your how you started pantheon podcast because it didn't just come out of the air and everything because you started with your own podcast correct yeah it uh rock and roll archaeology is the cornerstone of what became pantheon or is now you know the pantheon media company and uh uh you know this uh this podcasting empire of 900 uh i i love that we chose the name uh pantheon uh you know hats off to peter he's the one that came up with that and we were going back and forth we needed a we needed a step away from rock and roll archaeology as like the moniker that people knew us and we went through a whole bunch of names and uh peter peter i think knows that i i, I have a love of of mythology and uh, and how that all works together and how, how that helps create culture. Because more than anything else, I'm, I'm probably a cultural observer. And hence, you see that a lot in rock and roll archaeology. But with Pantheon, uh, House of the Gods. I mean, you know, when we're talking about rock stars, rock gods and goddesses, 
you know, uh, in the end, if, if you've ever walked into the Pantheon in, uh, in Rome, you know, there's these little shelves in throughout the ceiling. Um, they're, they're little, they're little cubby holes when you get right down to it. That's part of the architecture, but, they, but, but the intention is that each one was for the gods. And so there were, you know, in, in ancient Rome, it was, uh, you know, a pagan society, uh, uh, pre, pre, uh, Christianity. And, um, you know, they had many gods, uh, and they were more than willing to take on gods from everywhere. Uh, let me tell you. So the, the pantheon was really important to house everything. So, but back to rock and roll archaeology. Um, I had, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur, um, you know, ever since I was a kid. And, and in fact, um, you know, I was probably 12 years old going door to door selling greeting cards, uh, that, uh, that I got out of, uh, you know, uh, boys life, the, uh, the, um, boy scout magazine, uh, back in the day, I learned very quickly that if I just knock on the door and say, Hey, would you like to buy some greeting cards from me, you know, I get the door slammed on my face more often than not. But if I knocked on the door and said, hey, these are for kids in need of some sort, uh, they'd be willing to give me their money. So that worked for about a week until uh, some parent discovered what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I got in trouble for uh, not being completely truthful, I think is uh, what we might say uh, with that. But uh, I don't know, it seemed to work. And uh, (laughs) I, I learned a little bit about the sales game. Uh, and I've been doing that ever since. So um, uh, I've, I, I started several tech companies uh, in the uh, in the '90s and, and early 2000s, and um, I sold one in 2007. Um, that one worked out pretty good, um, uh, and I lived out of contract uh, and with a, a much larger company. And when I sold my company, which uh, you know, was small, uh, you know, maybe 20 uh, employees uh, there. I sold it to a 1300 employee company. And when I left in 2014, it was 30,000. And um, as an entrepreneur, that's just not fun. You, you know, you're just a number, you know, I'm not the kind of person that, uh, you know, is, uh, can just uh, you know, keep my mouth shut and uh, cash a check. Um, you know, I, I'm constantly saying, why can't we do it better? Why can't we fix this? How about that? How about this? Uh, and, you know, so I, I it just wasn't, the place for me anymore. And um, so I kind of said, do I really want to do this again? Uh, or do I want to do something different? And I kind of felt that tech was um, a, uh, at least what I was doing in the physical layer um, side of things had kind of commoditized. Uh, and, uh, you know, I rode this wave from the eighties on of, uh, uh, you know, this all being invented uh, and there was always something new and something to evangelize. Uh, and that was great. And uh, by the time I got uh, to 2014, you know, certainly after 2010, it just started to change and uh, really wasn't fun anymore. But I've always been a musician and uh, or at least uh, practicing to be a musician, put it that way. Uh, and I've, I've done that since I was 16 years old. Uh, and that's really my true passion. But I could never figure out a way to make a living at it. Um, I probably should have gone into the executive side of things instead of the talent side of things. I, I probably would have done pretty well over there, but uh, um, you know, that's just not the path that I took. And uh, so when I had a chance to do it over, um, you know, here seven years ago, uh, I decided that I wanted to, uh, you know, take a chance and do something really radically different. Podcasting was new uh, or at least the, 
beginnings of a podcasting business, I should say, was really new. Um, Serial, uh, famous podcast, um, you know, had kind of gathered the attention of the the uh, the masses, um, or at least people that pay attention to that sort of thing. But it became a big deal. And uh, I listened to that going, well, geez, I could do that. Um, low barrier to entry, entertainment. Uh, well, what is it that I want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about, you know, music. Silly me, um, uh, not, not, not realizing that targeted might be better. Uh, I went wide, uh, super wide. <laughs> the let's just tell the whole story from beginning to end chronologically on um, what this music of the late 20th century, I just, it's all called rock and roll to me. Um, and, uh, you know, how how this affected the world that we live in today, how it created the culture, first known as a counterculture, but now it is the culture. Uh, and rock and roll had a lot to do with that. Um, it commented on it in real time. Uh, it created a feedback loop with that culture, uh, certainly the youth side of it. It uh, really helped uh, create the world that we we live in today, and um, and still do. You know, I, I, it it's so obvious when you get things like the new Beatles Get Back uh, documentary. You know, it's still fifty years on, and and these guys are still just as important as they were. Uh, back then. It's it's pretty incredible. So rock and roll started it. Rock and roll archaeology started it. Interestingly enough, it takes us uh, six to eight months to research, write, and produce each of these episodes. Uh, and I have a, a, a writing partner that I, I do this with, uh, Richard Evans, who uh, we've known each other for 40 plus years. Uh, we've been arguing about this for 40 plus years. So it was time to, you know, uh, you know, put pen to paper. It's engineered by another friend of mine who I've known for 40 years, Jerry Danielson. Uh, and so the three of us are basically the ones that kind of put it together with the help of Peter. Uh, Peter helps uh, produce uh, a lot of this uh, as well. You know, but it takes us three to six months to research, write and produce each episode. Wow. And so it's seven years on. We're at episode we're working on episode 21 right now. And we're just getting into deep into the 70s now. So uh, this is a long form, long term project. Uh, we're talking 10 plus years by the time we get done uh, with it, which will take us up to about the millennium, the beginning of the millennium. Yeah, so it's so well done, done though. Uh, I could see now that you've got all this audio recorded. You could put video to all those older episodes and uh, it would be a, like a documentary series because you are so in-depth and so so cool with everything, you know. Uh, it, uh, it's extremely interesting to listen to. It was originally conceived as a proof of concept, POC, for a television series. Mm -hmm. So it's intentionally done that way. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, given some, uh, some time and, uh, and some funding, um, uh, it, it is being shopped as a, you know, big time, you know, um, multi-series documentary. I mean, it's multi-season, excuse mm -hmm. me. Uh, we see it as five seasons, uh, out there and we've crafted it as such. Um, but that's a big lift. Um, and, uh, you know, the way these things work is, um, you know, success breeds more success. Uh, the show is, is successful. It's, it's not, it's not top of the charts. If it was, you know, uh, we would, uh, probably get, uh, a lot more knocks on the door from Hollywood. Um, but 
there is a pathway these days, you know, uh, prove the concept with uh, with um, a podcast, Be, take the audio and then put B-roll on it, a lot of archival footage. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you can then get the second stage, put that on YouTube and um, and then somebody come and say, wow, let's let's turn this into a big time documentary. That would be that would be the. Um, you know, the ideal end to, to this whole thing when you get right down to it. And what's so cool is uh, Pantheon Podcast is all music-related topics. It's very focused. And I think uh, a lot of people don't realize that there's so many podcasts out there. You know, where do yeah. you find a two, place? Two and a half million now. <laughs> Three, that many? <laughs> two and a half million, yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, they're all doing interesting things, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, the fact that you've sort of consolidated all these different types of music. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's funny because I was talking to one of your youngest podcasters, Daniel, with the Ready to Record oh, podcast. D3, D3, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting to hear his perspectives on the industry and where it's going and everything. And as a musician at that young age, is he one of your youngest uh, podcasters? Yeah, I believe he is. Uh, at present, he's our youngest. I think we have uh, a two, two, couple of young ladies that are even younger than Daniel that are coming on board here pretty soon. Well, that's so good because uh, I think this whole industry needs as much new and classic uh, podcast, you know, the, everybody, the whole spectrum, and we all live together in one place. That's awesome. Well, uh, certainly with Pantheon, uh, as you said, Jerry, uh, it's about music. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, the one sort of um, uh, dictum that uh, I made very early on was that we would stick to music and specialize in this vertical market because um, uh, we felt that that we could, you know, be uh, a large player in a small pond because uh, music podcasting was not really thought of uh, as um, as a big subject matter. I mean, I, you know, obviously crime drama is like giant on podcasting. I can't wait for the day to that end. But, uh, um, you know, music was always down at the bottom. Well, now it's not. Now it's, it's at the top. And, you know, we were one of the first out there to uh, put a, a really quality, in-depth, music podcast together, Rock and Roll Archaeology. And, um, and because it takes us so long to put those together, we had fans, you know, say, well, can't you do something else uh, in between? And we looked at each other and we're, oh, yeah, 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 I, I guess we could. So we <laughs> we created these, um, uh, what we call the original six, a couple of recap shows um, for some uh, now defunct TV shows uh, on music, vinyl and roadies. Um uh, uh, a show about uh, rock and roll movies called Real Rock, uh, a, a San Francisco librarian called the Rock and Roll Librarian, um, Vinyl Snob, just just people that we knew around us, uh, you know, uh, that we could put some stuff together. And then I, I created another interview show called Deeper Digs. We then kind of ended up having a network without actually realizing it. Because then the next step was people started calling us going, hey, can we be a part of your network? And that's when the light bulb went off and we were like, oh, shit, we, we have a network. Um, and we started building from there. And then we knew that we wanted to not be pigeonholed in a particular type of music. We very much want, again, rock and roll archaeology is very broad. Uh, my musical tastes are extremely broad. Same thing with, with Peter, yours, you know, pretty much everybody in the network 
you know, uh, we have, we have exceptions. We have we have like the shout out loud cast guys. Uh, they love Kiss and they just talk about Kiss every week for three plus hours. I'm not sure how that is possible, but apparently it is. And God love them. They do great. And there's apparently a giant Kiss army out there, as we've been told about for all these years. And uh, you know, so we got a couple of shows like that. And but we try to be broad. We try to fill holes now. We're we're looking um, for things in. Uh, other languages. We just have our first uh, Spanish language uh, podcast uh, starting up here uh, called uh, Los Wanchos uh, Hablan uh, Metal. So uh, the the Wands talk metal. Uh, there are a couple of Colombians uh, that uh, you know love uh, metal, and metal is huge in South America, and uh, so uh, we're excited about that. Uh, we've got a lot of so I, I guess the point is we have a lot of diverse voices talking about a lot of diverse type of music, and I love it. Well, that's what makes everything great because radio is the one that screwed up with this niche format. You know, mm. you can only be on top Don't forty. Don't get me started on that. Yeah, well, I've been in radio for many years. You know, I I worked for uh, th- three hundred stations with Joe Kelly. We had a company called Super Spots. Energy, powerful, polished. Projection, the Electric Light Orchestra, the Classic Rock and Roll Concert Experience, ELO, Constant Motion. The Dynamic Innovator. If it can be done with sound, then chances are nobody can do it any better than he can. The Amazing Todd Rundgren. For Bob Seger, rock and roll is his life. He grew up with it. It's sort of the idiom of expression. He's been in rock and roll for 12 years, and he's completely comfortable as a rock and roller. I mean, when he writes rock music, you know, he's writing about his life. He's paid his dues. He understands that rock and roll is a performing art. For Randy McGillarath, every event must be a starting. It's something that people started off coming to see. It's an event. A penetrating lyricist, a masterful musician, a sensitive, captivating performer, a haunting, electrifying encounter with an entertainer who personifies the essence of originality. This is Al Stewart. You know, sometimes you're bound to leave her, but for now you're gonna stay. Stewart, he weaves a magic spell that will mesmerize every member of his audience. Al Stewart at the PAC. You're on my mind like a song on the radio. This is the new group you have to see. This is the new sound you have to hear. This is Dire Straits. She can still hear him whisper. Let's go down to the waterline. A breath of fresh air. We are the Sultans. Dire Straits. We are the Sultans of Swing. Ever since he burned up 52nd Street in Bebop's birth, he's reigned without challenge as America's number one trumpet player. 
The man behind the horn is the king of Bach, one of the few remaining giants, Mr. Dizzy Gillespie. Now, Father Earl Hines, he's a legend too. The man's got a jaw tobacco on both sides of his mouth. The man puts out a mean brand of rough and ready rock and roll. The man is Charlie Daniels. From From three tons of solid steel scaffolding, a crew will erect the stage. A corps of sound engineers will integrate 21 miles of wiring into a total sound system. In all, it will take 50 men three days to prepare Milwaukee County Stadium for one Sunday in September. A day 61,247 people will remember as the main event. Gary Wright, Manfred Mann, and Robert Palmer. The Spring Spectacular of Rock. Firefall. 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 This is Ted Nugent, the wild man of rock and roll. And we did all the major tours, ELO, Pink Floyd, uh, you know, Judas Priest, Kiss, <laughs> you know, Prince and the Revolution. So we've done all those uh, things, and... Uh, you know, these radio stations, well, you can't play this here. This is only in this format. And that that's not what it's about. M- music is universal. You can like all kinds of music. And uh, it's blending together. The artists are sort of doing it on their own now, you know? Yeah, well, I think when we were growing up, um, uh, Jerry, uh, you know, men of a certain age, if you will, uh, you know, radio uh, kind of, you know that, that that was where you 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 went to find your music uh, to start with, and then and then the next step was uh, you know the record store clerk uh, there who would give you the good stuff, and then uh, you know the music magazines. Um, and by the way, that is what we tried to do in a 21st century package: is combine those three jobs, you know, for uh, the artists out there to get that word out and keep the you know keep these the the word out and keep uh, these back catalogs up, break new artists and things like that. Those 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 three things don't really exist much uh, anymore, or they're they're not um, uh, uh, they're not consumed uh, in that manner uh, anymore, uh, and so you know we've taken that job on. But with radio specific, um, yeah, you know it was an artificial creation of these genres, and uh, you know starting in the seventies, you, you know before that. With AM radio, you know, you could hear Jimi Hendrix and Motown and a blues song and a pop song and the Osmond Brothers. You know, I literally from one after another, uh, FM started to specialize uh, a little bit. That's what created these genres out there. You know, Lee Abrams and uh, what did he call it? Psycho uh, and uh, analytics, I believe. Uh, and um, and, uh, you know, that kind of worked uh, until consolidation uh began and uh now pretty much the flavor of and the uniqueness of the geographies you know i mean you know we we you know we talked a, a lot about um california in the 60s 
And we highlighted it with two shows, one on L.A. and one on San Francisco. And they inhabited the same state, but their musical differences were, you know, as black and white as black and white could be uh, out there. Uh, And that just doesn't really exist anymore. Um, And to your point, what is nice is by having all this music available, mostly through streaming, um, on demand, uh, your influences are, you know, a mile wide and a mile deep, as opposed to maybe um, an inch wide, a, a mile wide, an inch deep, or vice versa. So I think we're seeing artists that are grabbing from just about everywhere. Uh, and, um, and I think that's a great thing. All those radio stations, they had disc jockeys that could put in records that they liked. And uh, it was amazing how you could travel around the country at one point, and every city had a different sound, you know, like the, just these individual mom-and-pop stations where there weren't the corporate rules, you know. But now it's, you know, like you were saying, it's one guy in one city programming 300 stations, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Here's the- and, and pretty soon, not even that, I just read that... Uh- iHeart is about to introduce virtual DJs. Oh, yeah, I heard AI. about that too. AI DJs. <clears throat> so you won't even have a person uh, involved. And I, I think that's also, you know, a big mission for us is that uh, we don't want um, machines uh, telling us what our music is. Uh, I, I think music is just so personal. Uh, it, 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 it speaks uh, as an art form the, the closest to the heart of of any art form out there and so having a machine send you uh this uh what you might like just doesn't feel authentic whereas again uh having another you know another person with like-minded uh ideals um make suggestions you're you're more apt to pay attention to that if that makes sense it does, and it's uh, you know that that's the one thing I hate about what they've done to the media, and that's why I'm excited about podcasting. And, and it's one thing that podcasting's all been an audio form, and uh, to me, people always like to see who <laughs> is on the podcast. You know, you may have a picture on the site or something, but to see them in the studio or whatever, and that's why I thought with the, the thing I'm putting together at VPod TV, it's like it's video podcasting. And, you know, what's cool is like with Roku, which is, you know, the TV or whatever, you can Mm -hmm. have the remote with the headphones. So one thing about television, when you watch a movie, you sort of have to pay attention to it, you know. But with podcasting, podcasters have one thing that television uh, sometimes forgets. And podcasters know how to tell a story. They're telling you things because... They're not thinking about pictures. They're thinking about a radio type audience, you know. So, well, uh, uh, Jerry, you know, humans, uh, humans. If 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 we uh, in the future destroy ourselves and are are gone, we'll be known for three things: the invention of the wheel, the capture of fire, and storytelling. Yeah, you can take just about everything we do. And go back to one of those three inventions or discoveries. Yeah. And in, in the primitive days with storytelling, they had music, too. So can't leave that out. <laughs> Drumming, at least, right? Something. Yeah. There was something <laughs> going on that uh, kept things going. So, uh, you know. Right, right, right. No, no. You know, um, uh, and, and what is beautiful about podcasting and storytelling specifically is um, there's just so many different perspectives now. Uh, that you can get on a singular subject. 
you know, and especially um, uh, one as broad and 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 deep as uh, as music is. Uh, you know, there's you know, it's it's not just an elite now of uh, of uh, critics that are determining uh, you know, or 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 DJs or 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 uh, uh, playlist. Um, uh, now, what do they call that? Uh, uh, the station managers. What do they do? They did the. Uh, uh, what, before they called them playlists, what 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 are the 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 guys? They uh, determined uh, all the, the program that, directors or the program directors. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, program directors. I forgot the title. Well, most most uh, stations had back then had music directors. The program mm-hmm. directors sort of made sure that the on air talent was on time, who they were putting on the air, and if they're coordinating things with the sales department. No, we can only have twelve minutes of commercials this hour or whatever. Right. You right, know. Right. Right. Um, right. And the program directors uh, then. Were worked with the music director like for my show jbtv greg corner who's in the band kill hannah out of uh-huh. chicago he's the bassist but he's he's the one that selects a lot of the bands i've had on the show because he's got a he's really good at that you know his, his ear is towards the street and uh paying attention to what is the up-and-coming thing right exactly and he's djing in clubs so he knows what's going on in that way you know right and right, i right. on the other hand uh I just love musicians. I love the fact that they they can make music and do things. And uh, so I'm always wanting to help people. I want to put people on television just to expose them because there's so many artists right now that that may have a great set of music and it's sitting in their closet, you know, and they're doing Mm -hmm. another job because no one ever got a chance to hear their music. So I always want to help the underdog, I, I put it that way, you know. So, uh, but I think between the two of us, we figured out a pretty good formula because we've had a lot of great bands on our JBTV stage here in Chicago, and uh, it's just been a, a labor of love, you know. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, you you mentioned you you know you said there was two point five million podcasts out there. You think that's bad? There are sixty thousand songs that are uploaded to a streaming service every single day. Wow. So imagine trying to break through that noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I, I think, you know, uh, I think where you're going is that that's where they need people like us to help find, you know, the nuggets the, that, that, that are out there in the sea of mediocrity and then give them a lift up. I, I have played with a, a ton of amazing musicians um, and bands especially back in the day when I was trying to make it as a professional musician, who I just thought were the greatest songwriters, and they had all the things that you would think to 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 make it, and they didn't. And this was back in, like, the 80s when it was, you know, a small group of people that were doing it, and there wasn't this giant sea of noise. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine trying to, you know, do it um, uh, today. You know, unless, uh, you know, I, 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 if, if I were, I, I would get my buddies, I'd get a van, and I'd just go to town to town and never stop to build that audience organically from a live perspective. That's where the money is these days. And then, you know, make a, make songs. I'd get rid of albums. I wouldn't do any albums. I'd just do songs and songs and songs and songs because, you know, unfortunately the, the album today is, is kind of a dead art form. Uh, the single, which is where we were before, you know, uh, the album uh, is, uh, you know, is the the the, the current uh, way to uh, expose your music out there. Well, albums were usually put together by musicians that told the story. 
Uh, yeah, uh, you, you know, the better ones, the better ones are definitely, unfortunately, then it ended up being like, you know, one good song, uh, you know, on, on a record of 13 and you're paying sixty ninety nine for it. So, yeah. you know, there are reasons why we live in this world that <laughs> weren't all, you know, uh, uh, rainbows and, uh, and roses. Well, that's why I thought I'd put a podcasting video show together to expose different podcasts. And mm-hmm. uh, as a trusted source, and I'm thinking, well, Pantheon Podcast is VPod TV. Any way you look at it. video, <laughs> I podcasting. think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, you know what? let's face it, you're on the the network yourself, there, Jerry. So it does make a lot of sense to come to us first. But uh, but yeah, uh, you know what I like is that we're not the only ones. By the way, there are other podcast networks out there. Uh, I think that's important. Um, and uh, you know, who knows? We may be the future Warner Brothers and Epics and Asylum Records and. RCAs and Columbia's of of the of the future. Yeah, well, I certainly think you are. So you're doing it great, you know. And I even discovered a few different like you got a cancer podcast. What's the name of that one? The the young uh... Uh, Teen Cancer America. It's called the Real Me. Uh, we're working with Teen Cancer America, which is uh, the Who's charity, mm-hmm. um, Roger and Pete's uh, charity that they started uh, in the UK. Oh, about 30 years ago, it was called uh, Teen Cancer Trust over there, and they brought it over here in 2010. And the mission of Teen Cancer America is that, um, you know, most cancers are either pediatric or geriatric, um, but there is a group of, uh, of young adults, uh, adolescents, young adults, we call them AYAs, that uh, don't really fit in that, and uh, they don't... They don't have anywhere to go. So <clears throat> really, the reality was, you know, TCA realized that, A, these um, patients are going through things differently than their, 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 than what you normally find in cancer wards. Uh, and th- there may be some unique attributes that are important um, uh, for the uh, treatments of, uh, of some of these uh, more adolescent type of, uh, of cancers. What uh, Teen Cancer America does is to go out to hospitals and try to uh, fund uh, these wards. And then from that, this program called Play It Back uh, came out of this where instead of just having it, it did start off with, you know, musicians going in and playing some songs for some kids. But instead of just that, it became more of like, let's make this interactive and let's bring, draw the kids in to create music. And uh, it's run by this uh, gentleman named Kenley Mattis. Uh, who does a great job of finding musicians, uh, mentors uh, from everywhere to develop uh, a song from scratch out of the head of these uh, adolescent, young adult uh, cancer patients and then uh, surround them with professional musicians to create a a fully realized uh, produced song. It's pretty incredible. And so what we do is we follow that journey of them uh, getting uh, an opportunity to work on uh, a song with these professional musicians and get it recorded. And we go through three iterations of the song from uh, inception to fully realized. And uh, hear their story along the way. Uh, Their friends and family uh, usually chime in uh, to give their perspective as well. I I think it's one of the best things we've ever done. Uh, to be honest with you, and it's, I think it's one of the best things that 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 I personally have ever um, been involved in. That that feels like I'm giving something back, if that makes sense. Um, because uh, these these shows themselves are just 
incredible to listen to. Um, uh, bring tissue, uh, uh, but at the same time, it's not all a downer. It's 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 uh, it's really inspirational. Uh, so it's 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 a great show. And thanks for asking about that one. Yeah, because I'm a cancer survivor. You know, they gave me little time to live, and uh, here I am, years later. Uh, surviving stage four colon and lung cancer. Oh, and man. it's amazing how today's doctors and today's high, even my doctor, uh, Dr. Michael McGee, who saved my life, he said, you know, I'm not a normal surgeon. I'm like a rock and roller. I take my kids to Lollapalooza. <laughs> and uh, literally, I set him up. Uh, we had the wombats come in, and I had his family. He said, between surgeries, he came down with his two kids and his wife and his mother-in-law or somebody. And uh, he had such a great time. And the wombats, what a great band. They embraced yeah. him. I even put him on TV during the interview. And he says, in medical school, you decide what kind of doctor you want to be. And there's all these cool things that you can do to help people like work in the emergency department or do organ transplants or surgery but the coolest thing for me and why I love music so much and why I love surgery so much is for eight to ten hours each day in the operating room I can just listen to whatever I want oh, yeah, and so right. I got to pick and I was like boy you know this is a long operation but you know at the time we used to listen to radio and listen to all the breaks and we used to listen to cool Chicago radio stations and now with iPads and Spotify and everything else, you can listen to exactly what you want. So we listen to the Wombats all the time. And actually, we listen to the Wombats during your surgery, Jerry. Oh, so really? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all comes together. No wonder I'm recovering so well. See, yeah. it's the music. Well, when, we have, when we have young doctors and young medical students in our OR to see a surgery for the first time, they come back and be like, you know, the surgery's kind of long, but I really like listening to music. So for us, that's what we love. So this is so great to see all this together. You know, Jerry, the one thing I really like about surgery is, because there's all this time, I get to listen to music, and I was listening to the Wombats. <laughs> While he was cutting on you? Yep. Yeah, he was listening because he says it rela it's good to have music on during surgery. And oh, some yeah. surgeons will have classical music. Others will have yeah. rock and roll. Some even yeah. have Kiss playing in the background. But it's amazing how it's a whole new world of medical. It's not like the old days. And there yeah. is hope out there. And there is hope out there for these cancer patients that get cancer. And the biggest mm -hmm. thing I found when I was going through my stage four chemotherapy and all that, everybody there is like, oh, I'm so depressed, you know? And... I was like, hey, <laughs> and uh, to me, you got to have a positive Laughter's attitude. the best medicine, they say. Oh, uh, you know, engagement. Music. Music uh, you know, is music. what got me through yeah. it. Literally, mm -hmm. I'd go through chemotherapy for six hours, and then I'd have a band in it at our studio, and I'd go back to the studio right after chemo and and shoot a you know shoot a show like you know ten songs with a band and uh, do an interview, and then I'd wow. start editing because you have to have something to keep you busy because if you lay yeah. around and start you know feeling sorry for yourself and I'm so sick and I you just get worse you know so. Yeah. It's so good yeah. that you got that podcast, and it's so great that you got music on one great platform. And mm. I'm so happy that JBTV is part of it because uh, most of my interviews, you know, I'm not as good as you are, and a lot of the other podcasters. And that I'll tell is, oh no, no, Jerry, wait, I'll tell you why. Because my po my podcasts are the TV shows, so I'm always thinking, oh, I got to get this song in. Tell me about this. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, now yeah. that I look back, I go, I wish I could have talked more. <laughs> <laughs> like we were doing a podcast, you know, so it's sort of reverse engineering. But I think our, you know, I try to do high quality stuff too because it's, uh, you do, you know, it's all about the music with JBTV. 
It certainly is. Uh, and the exposure of bringing in things that people may not be paying attention to and seeing something that, uh, you know, they didn't think about in, in, a, in, in, in a weird way. You know, you're kind of like us on TV doing the record store clerk FM DJ music journalist. Mm -hmm. You're doing the same thing uh, in a manner that is easy for people to digest today. And I think that's the same with podcasting. You know, we live in this mobile world. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't put Rolling Stone magazine up on my dashboard as I'm driving down the freeway. But I can put a podcast in my ear and listen to, you know, the same information told in that manner. Uh, you know, you can't can't exactly watch TV while you're driving either, but you can listen to a podcast. Uh, and so, so you know, uh, it's it's neat to be in a... In a, in a weird sort of way, it's not a new art form. It's it's a revived art form. I mean, you know, if you go back to the golden age of radio, th this kind of stuff was, you know, the the the, the rigor. You know, it was uh, it was every day uh, sort of thing. So just to see that come back uh, and have. Um, you know, a, a uh, uh, an environment where it, it fits well today in this mobile world is really great to see. Well, what we're going to do on this edition of our show is uh, expose some of the podcasts that are beginning to get into video. And mm. uh, we're sort of liking that because uh, we want to expose people that may not tune around or know what's going on and experience it. It's like yeah. when I go on your side, I don't have time to listen to every one of your podcasts that are on there. There's quite a few. How many do you have now? Well, we have 90 shows total at present mm -hmm. uh, and continually to grow. Um, you know, we, we very much are uh, strategic about what we're adding uh, these days. We're not just adding any show. We do get a lot of submissions uh, out there. But, you know, we're looking for um, things that, uh, you know, build a, a bigger tent uh, when you get right down to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, television uh, with some of these shows is the next step for us. Uh, and, um, I don't know if all 90 of them will, uh, will, uh, follow suit, but, uh, but I think, uh, I think some of them will have at least some form of a visual component along with the, uh, well, Diddy the, TV uh, is one that has a lot of visual it, component to it. Yeah. Well, like yourselves, they, they both, you know, kind of start on the visual side and then move to the podcasting side uh, as well. That, I think they can work hand in hand. And, and obviously I'm Amy Wright and I'm with Diddy TV. I'm, I'm the host here for Insights. Uh, You're just, in Nashville, are you? Uh, we're in Memphis. Memphis. Oh, Memphis, there you yeah. go, just up the road. What is the future you think of all this? Wow, that's a big question. Um, well, like I said, I, th I think that um, the future when it comes to Pantheon and music podcasting is, uh, you know, we, we've been able to take this... Uh, this old technology of the FM DJ, the the record store clerk, and who which neither one really exists at all anymore, uh, uh, you know, unless you're a vinyl snob, uh, and uh, and then the music journalist of which, you know, there's still a fair amount of music journalists out there, but you know, hard to get recognition. Uh, it certainly doesn't hold the cachet that it once did. Uh, and we've combined that all into a singular package uh, in a format that works for our modern digital mobile world. Um, so I think that's the future. And I think we're already there. I, I think we're seeing that. And we're double digit growth uh, on a monthly basis nowadays. It's uh, it's really incredible to see the, the growth out there. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll take some of our shows uh, and move them to other 
mediums. Um, you know, television being uh, obvious. Uh, you know, we've got a podcast. Uh, in fact, we've got a couple of podcasts that uh, uh, now uh, have been turned into books. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, Bob Dylan on Man, Law, and God by Stephen Arnoff. Uh, that is, uh, I think, publishing this month uh, uh, digitally, and then um, uh, in uh, uh, a Dead Trees format later on next year. Uh, you know, we're seeing some of our shows being picked up for um, uh, terrestrial radio for uh, syndication. So we see that we're building original shows uh, to spec for both corporate companies. Uh, customers and for larger platforms like um, Apple, uh, Pandora, SiriusXM, uh, Title, and others. Yeah, I could see it just a podcasting uh, audio channel, like a radio station, terrestrial radio, you know, or on a SiriusXM yeah, well, too. The terrestrial radio is dead, dead, dead. <laughs> uh, put a put a bullet in its head. I, I, it's just, uh, you know, look. Uh, once it consolidated, uh, it lost its. It's special sauce, mm-hmm. uh, which was this geographic uniqueness. It literally is only good for a distance, right? And uh, and it, and it it kept the flavor of that distance uh, in its DNA. Uh, but now you don't have that. And uh, at the same time, it you know we live in on an on-demand world, and so uh, you know people don't like just being fed what you know somebody else is deciding for them. They want to decide it for themselves. And, uh, you know, we, we don't live in that old uh, paradigm that, uh, you know, allowed that sort of thing. Uh, it's just a, a technology that's uh, run its course. And, you know, some people call podcasting the infinite dial. And uh, there you have it right there. That's so true. That's so true. But I don't know that any of these mediums are dead. Well, AM radio, I don't think, you know, like remember the daytime radio stations, you know, they're mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, but I don't know. FM, oh, you I mean still- the talk, the talk radio stuff? No, yeah. even that will all go online. I mean, just the, you know the the infrastructure of um, uh, you know of broadcast radio uh, and the costs associated with it. You know, when you can when when the the public itself can find the exact same thing on their mobile phone, uh, they're just they're just, it's just it's going to end up like. Um, uh, uh, UHF, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where UHF went away as far as a, a, co- a consumer um, uh, facing uh, technology, and it's, it's maybe being used for other things, and, and it's supposed to be used for for other um, uh, um, uh, uh, platforms like police and fire. I think they were going to take UHF off. And so the same thing will happen to um, to uh, uh, to the radio frequencies FM and AM. We got a lot to look Sorry. forward to. <laughs> I know you're an old radio guy, and I hey, look there. I've talked to plenty of them, like you know, Lee Abrams, and they all agree with that assessment. That you know, it's it's a question of how long it'll take. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to take fifty years, or is it going to take ten years? I I personally think it's going to be more like ten years. Well, if they let stations be personalities again you know i always uh, thought it was funny because we'd talk to a lot of uh corporate people and they'd always call their disc jockeys talking pieces of meat they didn't understand that 
the morning or the afternoon guy is the one that's bringing in all the business for your radio station, you know? Right, and, and right. And they're a personality. And that's what podcasting is. It's personality-based. It's people Very giving true. their expression, their feelings about stuff. So it's a total natural progression. But television, on the other hand, has gone digital. And every TV station has multiple channels now. And they got this new FCC, the ASCA or whatever it's called. It's going to be interactive. You can start doing with television in the future. Mm-hmm. So that may save terrestrial TV. We'll see. To be determined. But... Uh, Still, we'll see. We're, we live in quite the streaming world as it stands right well, now. Well, in theory, that's what it'll be. It'll be able to put it on your phone, and there it is. Yep. You know, and if you can, yeah, if, if you can move to that technology, uh, you know, into this mobile uh, device-driven entertainment space, then yeah, yeah, yeah you could probably have a, a future. I mean, look what Howard Stern did with Sirius XM Radio. Nobody cared about Sirius XM. Brilliant move, you know. And I remember uh, uh, we got some video of uh, Howard going, "Get me out." Of the, get me out of this job. I need a job, you know, <laughs> before he went to New York and stuff. But, uh, you know, and now he's the king of, but he really built Sirius XM. And uh, look at them. People would say, who would want Sirius XM in their car? Now it's standard. People are used to it. And mm-hmm. uh, you got your niche channels. You got this, you got that. It's all there. And you can put it on your phone and listen to it anywhere. So it's a whole, it just shows how technology is really coming of age now in so many ways and they were doing video too way back when howard was you know so oh that's right well he had a tv show if I remember yeah right. back when i was on uh, tv here in chicago on wgbo he was my lead-in show so he'd oh, always nice. yeah he'd get these great ratings and everything and then i'd come on and play all this weird music that nobody's heard you know <laughs> right <laughs> and not get as good ratings but so uh, apparently the audience didn't follow uh after Ho- howard much Howard had his audience, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. But then, you know, like the station manager would come to me, why don't you play Madonna? And I go, well, it, it, why play Madonna when I can play, you know, Peter Murphy or some of these other artists, you know? Yeah, let's give somebody else a shot. Even yeah, when Peter definitely. Murphy came to the studio, he says, you know, the Scarlet Thing and you, he did that uh, video his wife put together for $60,000. And he was saying, MTV won't play it. Nobody cares about my music. I should just get out of music. And I go, never get out of music. <laughs> and he never did. But, uh, you know, someone of that caliber still could. Even Joey Ramone, when we had him on the show, he would complain about nobody, you know, MTV embraced us one day. And the next day, it's like a breakup. We're not talking to you anymore, you know. I'd like to see TV change for the better. If I if I see the Ramones one more time on MTV, I'll go crazy. <laughs> Have you been playing it a lot? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, unfortunately, at that particular time, you know, if MTV was, uh, you know, the arbiter of uh, musical uh, tastes and whether you liked it or not, uh, and yeah, if you weren't uh, a part of that. Uh, ecosystem, then uh, you, you you were in a really bad position. Yeah, but that's not the case today. Um, you know, there's just so much uh, music and so much a variety of music that it's it's great, it's fantastic, and the fact that you know it is at your fingertips, and you know, there's a bit of a downside to that, and we talked a little bit about that. Is you know, there's just you know this sea of mediocrity. Um, but uh, but I think that's why people need uh, you know what uh, JBTV does and what Pantheon does, and that is to 
find those nuggets, uh, expose it, uh, bring it back out. You know, you just had um, uh, Gary Newman on uh, yes. your show not too long ago, and I had forgotten about Gary, and uh, I watched that thing was like, wow, I'd go see him. When he comes to town, I'll go see that. That looked like an awesome show. It was it was fun. It was interesting. It was still very Gary Newman. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it was it was there was something there that uh, that I I didn't want to forget. And I think that was important that uh, that we keep, you know, and, and you know, look, I, I'm an old school guy. I look back towards uh, the past because I, I I consider myself a bit of an amateur historian, and my you know, I've never been one that jumped on the the bandwagon of something new. I needed somebody to have a catalog first before I kind of felt like, oh, okay, this is worth my money, whether it being to spend on an album or a, a ticket. I, I I didn't really like to jump in, and, unless it was really small. You know, the clubs and things like that, that's a little different, but anything with any kind of weight behind it, I really needed to make sure that they had um, something that others have de- had determined was successful. And then I'd go, okay, I'll jump in. So I kind of look back at things in that and then look at how those building blocks come together uh, to get to that point. You know, I, I wanted to learn it for myself, figuring that there must be some secret formula to uh, to how to, you know, become a rock star. Um, I just wish the Get Back 8-Hour program uh, had been released 50 years ago, because uh, <laughs> that would have helped a lot of us, let me tell you. Oh, it's just a bunch of hard work. Uh, a little inspiration, lots of fun, and then just constant uh, hard work. Oh, geez, I wish somebody would have told me that 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, we're um, we're really seeing just this explosion of good music out there, and almost to the point of too much good music out there. It's it's almost impossible to keep up with. Well, I think we're doing a good job. What was your first concert? You grew up in San Francisco, right? I grew up in L.A. Oh, uh, Los Angeles, KLOS country, yeah. KMET, KMET, yeah. KLOS, K-Rock, mm-hmm. KNAC, uh, those were our big rock stations uh, out there. My first concert was um, at some little band, a uh, horrible singer, Queen, uh, they were called. Uh, what was that guy? Freddie uh, Mercury. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, the one. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to go when that's your first concert yeah to get much better than that i was just recently asked that on an interview uh and and i've seen like i've seen the stones four or five times all of them with some of the greatest openers in the world i mean literally prince guns and roses pearl jam uh (laughs) that's crazy i saw the wall 1980 Mm -hmm. um saw the the later iterations as well but seeing that in 1980 was pretty special uh bruce springsteen halloween night uh 1980 but seeing freddie mercury for the first time Mm -hmm. um you know the the full rock experience was was incredible and probably you know set the rest of my life in motion yeah music i gotta tell you that's been my my passion all these years and uh i'm not an expert at music i never said i was i'm just a music lover so i will i just wanted to be an expert so i've I've tried to to learn as much as you humanly possibly can to be that so I, i i don't know if anybody could ever really be an expert i mean it's a it's it's a lifelong pursuit it's uh they call it a practice for a reason uh, you know, there's always something to learn. I don't care how good you you ever get. It's the it's the voice of the universe. You know, they say math is the language of the universe. Music is based on math, so therefore it's its voice. 
Yeah, I consider Matt Pinfield when he was at MTV to be an expert because, uh, yeah, I mean, he sort of knows everything about music, you know. So, uh, you know, he's one of the pe- few people I respect in the business that uh, has actually been there and knows it and lives it and has a passion for it, you know. I always yeah. hate hosts that like want to know more about the band, know more about the band than they, you know, what I'm trying to say they seem to be above the band, that they're more, they know more about the band than the band knows about themselves, well, that, you know. That, that kind of makes a good interviewer, too, when you you know the answers to all the questions that you're going to ask. Uh, <laughs> that's a court case. <laughs> right, That's what right, attorneys right. do. <laughs> so, so Matt probably would have made a very good attorney. <laughs> I guess he would have, yeah, looking back, yeah. This is fun. So are you having fun here? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, it's, it's the most fun I've had in my life. Every day I, I wake up, with something fun to do it's work you know um but it is and then every day it just about almost every day grows mm-hmm. uh when i started this thing this was a real crapshoot, jerry i'm telling you it was i had some money and i was gonna go well i'm gonna throw all this money into it uh and i didn't know if it was gonna turn into anything i'd cross my fingers and hoped um but boy i i've never I've never had uh, a project uh, that just constantly, like the universe was speaking back, going, "This is working. This, this, this new thing. This, this, this person showed up. Uh, just as you were like going, I need this. Oh my God, there's this person that I need. Uh, uh, things like that. It's, and I, and I think that's really, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is just you know we have a hundred and I think almost 140 people that are involved in Pantheon. And it's just amazing that, you know, all these people came together just because it's music, Mm -hmm. you know, to rally around this thing and turn, uh, you know, this simple little concept into this, you know, big behemoth of a, of a network now with 90 plus uh, music related shows. So I, I don't know what, I don't know what I did to be so lucky, put it that way. Well, uh, you're doing the right thing, and you're helping uh, artists get exposure, too, and you're helping new podcasters out there. So it's an exciting time, exciting time we live in, isn't it? It really is. It uh, it really is. It's it's a new world. Um, you know, I mean, I think uh, we're seeing the birthing pangs of this new world um, in, in, in some ways good, in some ways bad. Uh, you know, the... Uh, um the industrial world that we lived in that we grew up in you know is has been pretty much decimated over the last 20 or so years and uh and we haven't quite gotten to what that new world is yet uh we're we're still in that process uh and, and in many ways uh it is absolutely exciting i mean this is this is as big a deal as uh you know the invention of the printing press uh was 500 years ago um, you know, men landing on the moon uh, 50 years ago. Uh, this is this is as big, uh, if not if not bigger. To be honest with you, um, uh, we are as a species all interconnected now. Um, you know, we always were uh, in an environmental way, uh, uh, an ecosystem way, but we are in a human mental way now. We are all connected. Everybody on this planet uh, that has access to the internet is interconnected with everybody else. And um, it's pretty extraordinary to see all that occur in the last 
15 to 20 years where, where it's really, really started to, to become a big thing. And certainly in the last 10 years, you know, uh, the advent of social media and uh, everything that goes about with that. And a lot of people want to complain about some of those things. And there's plenty to complain about. But by and large, it's pretty extraordinary. And where it will take us uh, as a species is is really extraordinary if you really think about it. And you got some good sponsors too that you've got, like you got AKG microphones that are doing things, which uh, sound is so important. And I think you're you're also in, you know showing podcasters how to be quality conscious now too. Well, uh, when we started that way, uh, again, uh, this this all comes from the very beginning, and that is, you know, I've been an NPR listener since I was in my teens. Um, you know, I'm giving away my nerd credibility here, but the the fact is is that that's the gold standard. And uh, so when we started Rock and Archaeology, we wanted it to sound like that. And every podcast that comes on to the network, we work uh, uh, with them. If they don't, if they don't already have that uh, level of quality audio, we work with them to get there. Cool. So, what else you want to talk about? Well, uh, you mentioned the sponsors, yeah, uh, AKG, and um, uh, that's Harmon Audio, part mm-hmm. of Samsung that uh, uh, we have an ongoing relationship with. Uh, you know, BetterHelp, uh, we're uh, working with now. Tiesta T. Um, you know, we got programmatic advertising. Um, I think uh, the, 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 the going away message might be, hey, if you got a great podcast or you have an original idea when it comes to music uh, podcasting, come and talk to Pantheon Podcasts and we will work with you to uh, uh, develop that into a reality. And they can get in contact with you just on the homepage and stuff? Is that the best way? Yeah, yeah just go to PantheonPodcast.com. Uh, that's uh, pantheonpodcastsplural.com. And uh, you can get a hold of Peter and I, and um, you know we'll uh, uh, have a chat and see if you got something there. Well, I'm sure some new talent will be discovered through the show, too. So, <laughs> Yes, definitely. definitely. Wow. So, well, I, I hope now, for- now we're moving into TV, Jerry, and uh, we'll see what that brings us. I think television is just right now, it's just going to help build a newer audience that isn't familiar with Pantheon. Mm-hmm. And they're also not familiar with a lot of the different podcasts out there. So they'll have a chance to discover uh, some of the talent, some of the new bands, some of the classic bands, and of course your podcast, which is so beautiful, so extremely well written. I didn't think it took you six months to write an episode, but it shows, you know. Well, yeah, it's a uh, it's a big it's a big you know it's a it's a big job. I mean, we have to think about what we want to say, uh, and 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 we actually now you know it's funny when we started, um, you know, we we, we start post-World War II, because that's really where this world begins. Uh, and youth culture is developed uh, in the 1950s. Uh, and what that means is that the uh, the, the teenager uh, uh, had disposable income uh, that they could do something with. And that's where rock and roll comes out of. Uh, uh, you know, we talk about the, uh, the desire to not be conformist uh, and, uh, you know, what freedom really is. And we, we see that in rock and roll. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. really what that music is about. It's a, it's a democratic uh, type of endeavor as well. Very American uh, when, you, when you get right down to it. Uh, it's from the bottom up. Uh, it's the common man's concerns and issues, which, again, very American. Uh, uh, if you think about uh, how history has worked in the past, uh, again, post-war. Uh, and 
But the funny thing is, is that the further you get deeper into that story, the bigger that funnel gets. And so now in the 1970s, where there's this giant explosion of music, we now have to pick and choose what stories we can tell, because we can't just can't tell them all mm -hmm. uh, that we may have been able to do in the early uh, episodes. So it gets a little bit more hard. Uh, it gets a little harder uh, out there. But, um, but I think we have it plotted out pretty nicely uh, to, you know, give the full story of, uh, of music and culture and technology and politics and uh, entertainment and uh, the world at large and how those all those things came together. Well, Jerry, thanks so much for the time uh, to, uh, to explain all of this. I, I think it's important that you do explain it and let people know that you're out there and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a place to discover music and talent talking about music. Uh, of all different generations, and music is timeless. Uh, it has it's ageless, you know. Like it you were is. saying with the Beatles documentary and stuff, that music is just as current and relevant today as it was when it first came out. I cannot believe, I'll, you know. I'll be honest with you. I had, a, you know, I had a a dog in the fight uh, here. You know, we did uh, our um, explanation of why the Beatles broke up uh, in our uh, 1969 two part series. Um, and, uh, you know, we were a little afraid that this was going to be some revisionist history and uh, change the narrative, uh, you know, the accepted narrative. And, you know, we told our stories almost uh, almost 50 years on as it was. So, you know, it's, that's pretty solid ground from a historical standpoint. And we were afraid that it was going to come out and, you know, change that narrative. And it didn't. It uh, it reinforced it and it gave nuance uh, and color to it that I thought was brilliant. And I just was just so shocked on how good it was with just four guys sitting around just being the four guys. Yeah, there are some moments where you, you know, get back being the most famous. Now, in the first episode, to me, and, and I'm tr trying to put this in my head because uh, we're going to do a, a, a Rock and Roll Archaeology shorts where we we talk about some topical things because most everything we do is, is very evergreen and this this would be very topical in that first episode it's really about paul creating get back when when he does that out of fucking thin air <laughs> you're like oh my god it's like watching shakespeare write to be or or what to be <laughs> or <laughs> you're like oh my fucking god yeah the yeah. second the second episode is about billy preston showing up because the second he shows up man everything just changes and in a great way and you're like with the popcorn oh, song oh uh, yeah 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 and then um uh, and then the third one obviously is the the the, the full concert uh out there in uh uh, and to get to see that, that wow, in little over three weeks, these guys who hadn't played together live in three years came together and were just as badass as I'm sure they were in the Cavern Club. I don't know. I saw them backstage in Chicago as a little kid, and I couldn't, hear, you? I couldn't hear a thing. All I heard was the screaming girls. Yeah. Well, that's why they quit. That's why they quit touring in '66. They just they couldn't hear though. And and let's face it, the technology, the 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 um, PA technology, just didn't exist to be able to handle the size of venues they needed to play. Yeah, it was like, and I don't know, they were screaming so loud. All I remember, my ears hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. How old were you? And two, 
How did you end up backstage at the Beatles concert? Well, uh, that was here. I was at a, working with a radio station in Milwaukee, WOKY. And, uh, what, uh, four? I, it, I had to have been. I was underage. Let me put it that way. And uh, Bob hey, Barry. Jerry, how the, old are you? I'm 70. Oh, okay. You're se- Oh, I'm number one. I'm surprised you're 70. You look great. Uh, <laughs> okay, so if you're 70, let's see. So that then was you six- would have been... So maybe you're what year? 60, 65? 63, was it? Sixty-four? Some I don't know. It was I don't remember. I just Fever, remember Very Night sixty-four is Ed Sullivan. Uh they only played East Coast. It was in here in Chicago 64. at the Coliseum, I believe. We drove down from Milwaukee. Sixty five. Had to have been sixty five. Okay. It had to have been sixty five. Yeah. You know, that shows you my memory, but all I remember is we drove down. I had a, a Nagra tape machine. And uh, we were going to do an interview. We never got an interview. Uh, but I did do it later on, years in the 70s. We got an interview with Paul McCartney with, that we did. Uh, and I knelt at his feet. Somebody else did the interview, but I was running the camera. I'm more of a technical guy, you know, uh, with my shotgun mic. Actually, it's the same mic I'm using right here right now, my Sennheiser, which I love. Uh, okay, so in, did they play the International Amphitheater? Uh, I'm not sure. It was an old place or commit so it wasn't comiskey park no no it was an indoor place with indoor venue from what i remember uh, it could have been 64 they did play the international amphitheater in 64 and 66 and they played so comiskey that could have park. been the one and all i know is we were backstage we and they had like little curtains and then we just saw them run back and forth <laughs> and that's all i pretty much remember about it uh we couldn't hear a thing it was just screaming girls it was you know yeah yeah, that's that 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 was always a problem, uh, and and a problem for them. I mean, they they couldn't even hear Ringo; uh, it was so so cacophonous uh, out there. Yeah, and it, uh, but, but, so but it, it, it's as if you listen to our episode seven and eight about them, especially episode eight and why they got off the road. Not only was it that, but it just got dangerous. Mm-hmm. It literally got dangerous uh, for them. Uh, they had a real problem in the Philippines. When they inadvertently made fun of Imelda Marcos and uh, the, you know, the the, the Marcos administration uh, made life very difficult for them to the point of where it scared the shit out of them. They wow. weren't sure they were getting out of the country alive, and um, and then when they came up and did the the final show here at um, Candlestick uh, Park, they were put into a um, armored truck, and it was just cold and. You know, they were trying to drive crazy to get out of there to beat the crowd. And they got knocked all over the place. And when they got on the plane, I think George was like, yeah, I never want to do that again. (laughs) It's getting dangerous. It just literally was getting dangerous. And so they kind of said, well, you know, this recording thing is all really neat and it's growing and the technology is changing on a daily basis at that point. That was a great time to be in the studio. Totally makes sense to me uh, to go and focus uh, on that. Uh, and it wasn't until you know the late '60s and even really the early '70s that you really get the sound quality to be able to handle the size venues that they had to would would have had to have played. Yeah, that was so. a crazy, crazy time. Then uh, I yeah. got as he's come. I had freckles then and everything. And as he came off stage, they gave me uh, some drumsticks. Like, here. <laughs> oh, really? Ringo, Ringo, you got Ringo's drumsticks. I only have one left. <laughs> but cool, uh, my friend. that's about all I remember of it. And I, a and real I, artifact. A real artifact that uh, one day could be worth 
millions of dollars. Well, you got to doc. I don't know how you would document it. I don't yeah, it's just, I know. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, but it just was funny yeah. that uh, I remember Bob Barry. He was like, the uh, Providence has to be uh, dedicated to it. Yeah. yeah, he was upset. I want, I needed to get an interview or an ID, and we got nothing. We drove down here, and my parents didn't even know that I went out. I went down with this uh, older guy <laughs> to a show, but everything was cool. You know, I did a thing called Junior Achievement. I wanted to help kids get into broadcasting back then. And I uh-huh. talked uh, WOKY and uh, uh-huh. WISN in Milwaukee and uh, WTMJ, the journal company, gave us a television show live on Saturday afternoons for a few months uh, to do our junior achievement show. So, Wow, that's very cool. That's how you got into it. Huh? I loved, you know, and back then television used to have hosts, you know, like radio did. Where they yeah. would uh, sit in between the shows and talk about, oh, here's what's coming up next. And a lot of it was just to fill time because, you know, the, the film would be wrong or there'd be a problem technically. And you know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and that. And, and uh, it was local television that meant something. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how then radio became that way. And now the Internet and podcasting's that way. Yeah. They, well, again, you know, the host is that that you know, the quote unquote expert that is going to give it guide you, you know what I mean? Uh, more than anything else. And, you know, I think, you know, the promise of the internet early on was to destroy all the gatekeepers. Yep. Get rid of all the gatekeepers. And we did all that. And you know what? Some of those gatekeepers really needed to be destroyed. There's no choice about that, but look, human society is human society and you know you know we we like boxes we like uh categorization we like to be able to put things in some form of an order uh if you will you know freeform jazz is cool every once in a while but you know after a little bit eh, most people get tired uh, of that you know they they want you know they want to be directed on where to go uh and um you know, so that makes sense where a host is uh, is the best way to do that. Right. And uh, there are so many technolo- technological companies out there that make small, inexpensive cameras that are, are high-quality 4K. And uh, so there's so much that uh, we can be talking about. And it's so easy to do it. It's not like uh, it used to be in the old days, you know? No, no. I, I think, you know, in a weird sort of way, w- podcasting is is audio made really easy tv is is going to go that way too mm-hmm. so, oh it's already there you know, so <laughs> yeah 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 and uh uh you know to to your point to take rock and archaeology and stick archival footage on it you know boy i could put that out on youtube tomorrow my problem with that though is that i'll get it i'll get taken down immediately and because yeah. there's a there's a bitch battle going on on youtube with creators right now uh about the use of copyrighted material and and you know this you know we've always had this thing called fair use out there which is really a defense and it's it's so complicated in that only big players could play in that world anyway so it really didn't become an issue uh you know there's licensing but we now live in a world of small creators and small creators can't afford those big licensing costs. So there needs to be a mechanism to be able to achieve that. Uh, and I think that's that may be a future for us as well, uh, especially with music licensing. Um, the reality of what we do is all in context. 
Uh, we're just like a review show, just like Siskel and Ebert used to do. Chicago guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, uh, you know, they play clips of the movie and then they talk about it and they get people to go and watch the fucking movie. Yeah. That's the point of yeah. doing it. Okay. Yeah. We're doing the same thing. By us talking about it is not stealing your music. It's causing people to go and buy your music. So, and and they do recognize that. Uh, we've had discussions with some fairly significant players. They they know it. That we we are definitely on the radar. Uh, we know that for a fact. Um, but there's just no mechanism that's agreed to at this point. Uh, and you know what they have told us is. You're just not big enough yet. And I don't mean Pantheon. I mean podcasting in general. Um, you know, we just went over a billion dollars in sales this year. We'll do $2 billion by 2023. You know, radio's around between 25 and $30 billion. So somewhere around, I guarantee you, somewhere around 5 to $10 billion, uh, they will wake up and go, okay, guys, now we need to figure out a deal <laughs> to make this work. And so those of us that are in that position, the big position to be able to handle that, we're the ones that are going to make the deal. Well, well I have there. the same so, problem with JBTV and YouTube with our, yeah. you know, I'll have like Gary Newman you talked about or who any of these artists that you know, we can't, we never make money on it, you know. Yeah. Uh, yep. They go, well, that those rights belong. Well, they came to our studio. They played at our studio. We should have something, you know, but. Yeah, but so do they, what What do they do with you? Do they just. Uh, they just let us, they, we just can't monetize anything. They you can't say. monetize, right. Yeah. Right, right. right. We don't right. get a takedown. So, we, I don't. We've had a few of those, but not you know. Yeah, same here. I mean, we 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 had one takedown, and that was because I used a full Beatles song. I talked in between it and over it, but I did use the whole thing. But I did it as an experiment because I wanted to see what would happen. And UMG came back, and we we had a discussion with them, and they were like, "I said, well, if I edit it, and they were like, well, you can do whatever you want." Uh, and we put it up there, and never heard from them again. Mm-hmm. And that was. God, four or five years ago now. And they're so. the big company. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, let's let's face it: when you're messing with the Beatles, you know you're going to hear something. You know, there's a few others, Prince, uh, Zeppelin's that way as well, where they're very uh, uh, litigious eagles. Uh, um, but uh, but I think that they recognize that we are we. You know, we keep throwing that back at them. We are the FM DJs, the record store clerks, and the music journalists of the past rolled together in a 21st century package. They can understand that because those those old methodologies aren't there anymore, which used to be how they would get the word out to the point of where remember they would pay. You know illegally in some cases but they would pay i i was at a radio uh, station where i had uh, uh uh one of the music guys came in 93 wqfm i put on here in milwaukee with joe kelly called sunshine radio uh mm-hmm. and uh literally i had one of the record guys come in and he laid out lines of cocaine by my turntable and says you got to get this record on the air and I go, uh, I'm playing it on the air right now. <laughs> but I'll take those lines. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I never was much into the cocaine. I was more into smoking pot back then, too. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. Now we've God. turned this into drugs. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I turned to that white gold for a while. Um, yeah. yeah it, and it's destructive. It ruins I mean, everything you know. in the end. It's no good. It's, no, it's, it's crazy, crazy stuff. And it's uh, okay. I uh, could never, you know, I. I edit, you know, audio tape because I was an audio engineer and oh, my hands would sweat that. when no. I did it. And it's like, I can't edit this way. And then I'd start, you know, getting real <laughs> antsy about no it and everything. No but 
Wow. All right, Jerry, I got to run. My wife's bugging me. She's in Boston, and she just got out of her day and uh, uh-huh. wants to chat and see well, it's, her first it's babies. Your dog's there. back there? Yeah, they've just been sleeping through this whole thing. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. They'll just sit there sit and wait for Daddy to do whatever it is he wants to or Mommy yeah, yeah. when she's around. So. Well, uh, Christian, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, uh, uh, Jerry, a pleasure's all mine. That's been great. Thank you, Christian. Thank you for being on our show, and keep on rocking and rolling, and I hope you get a lot more new podcasters out there to influence the world we definitely will we definitely will if you got any doubt if you if you hear of anybody let us know i will definitely do that all right brother I'll thank talk you, you later, okay bye there you go the jbtv podcast where we bring you the best music the best interviews and it's all unscripted and totally unrehearsed follow us on all the social media and spread the word this is jbtv music television the jbtv podcast jbtv What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.